Welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast, helping you hit the grades of your dreams at school, college, and university through the science of fast learning and lasting memory, the psychology of study productivity, and the secrets to great exam technique. And now your host, the Cambridge University trained psychologist who's dedicated his life to helping students study better and outsmart their exams, William Wadsworth. Hello and welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast. I'm so excited to introduce my guest today, who's Dr. Marie Buda. She's an expert on some fascinating and diverse topics. And what really unites them all is that they are ingredients which really take you from being a good student to one of the truly outstanding students. We're going to be talking about creativity, how to join ideas, how to think of new ways of looking at things. We're going to be talking about critical thinking, how to pass a critical lens on what you're reading, what you're studying. And we're going to be talking about good study habits at university, at school. I know Marie going way back to my own university college days uh, where we uh, sang together in an a cappella group. Think a bit like uh, Pitch Perfect or Glee Club, per- perhaps uh, with slightly less uh, polished dance moves. But I also knew her through the uh, psychology department. She was doing her PhD when I was an undergraduate. So it's been, it was huge fun for me to record this conversation because we get to geek out on uh, various bits of cool and fascinating psychology um, along the way as well. So I re- hope you really enjoy the uh, episode. Let's dive right in. Marie, a very warm welcome to the Exam Study Expert podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm so, so excited. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be really helpful just to start by, you know, t- tell people wh- what you're doing today and then and then how you got there. So perhaps right back to, to school days and then a kind of whistle-stop tour of uh, what led to what you're doing today. Sure. So um, I'm currently a cognitive neuroscientist um, and I work as an innovation consultant. So essentially, I help companies, big companies like P&G, Johnson & Johnson, with any psychology or neuroscience related problems. Um, that's my main job. Um, aside from that, um, I also help students who are hoping to apply to Oxbridge with their interview skills. Um and um, as I'll mention throughout, you know, when, when talking about my journey, I used to be director of studies at Downing College at Cambridge. So I sort of used that background to help students. So if we're going to go back in time a bit, um, I grew up in Japan. I went to an international school. So I my accent is not because I'm American, but because I went to an international school. So I'm half British, half Japanese. Um, so I ended up doing the international baccalaureate. Um back in the day. And um, afterwards, I came over here to the UK and I studied psychology at the University of Nottingham. Um, and after graduating from there, I did one year of a research assistantship at the same university and then um, went to Cambridge um, to study a PhD in cognitive neuroscience, where specifically I looked into the cognitive neuroscience of false memories. So, you know, what are the brain bits that are involved when we recollect something that, that didn't actually occur? That was my PhD. And um, through doing my PhD, I realized that actually one of my true loves was teaching. So I decided to explore that avenue. And um, eventually I became director of studies um, at Downing College, um, where I supervised many students and um, also taught psychology there, um, which I enjoyed. But eventually I wanted to use my knowledge in an applied context, which led me on to my career today, which is using psychology and neuroscience in business. So that's the 101 <laughs> of my life. Oh, that sounds amazing. Uh- 
and, and there's going to be a, a ton of useful experience I think we can, uh, you know we can talk about today and uh, and hopefully people will be able to to learn a little bit from cross fingers um exactly um, so uh, you, you were saying you, you you do a bit of work with with students today and yes. um, I know one of the things you help in particular with is critical thinking. Yes. Um, so what do we mean by critical thinking? What, what is it and, and wh- why does it matter to, to students? Sure. I think one thing that I try to help students with is to change their mindset from a student mindset into a professional mindset. So critical thinking is all about not taking things at face value and reading a textbook and go, okay, this is fact. Um, I'm just going to believe this. It's about questioning almost everything you read. Um, critically, you know, chewing on the information is what I call it. So let's say that you read a theory in your biology textbook instead of going, okay, that's what I need to memorize. And that's fact to go, why is this correct? Um, do I agree with this theory? Is one theory better than the other? If I were to improve on this theory, how would I do it? Using, you know, I'm trying to cultivate those kind of thoughts in my students. And the reason why I do this is because in real life, whilst, you know, if you're studying for your A-levels or for the International Baccalaureate or for the AP or SAT, if you're in the States, you just have to know the correct answer, write that down, and that's it. Once you go into the professional world, there are no right answers very often. And it's your job to go, okay, if I, I don't know what the right answer is. I need to figure this out myself. So I think critical thinking is about learning how to navigate that uncertainty and learning how to know, you know, what is perhaps the strongest um, answer to some of the questions that you have, but they may not necessarily be the right ones, but, you know, working through that fuzziness, I say, is critical thinking. (laughs) I guess it's not just, it's, it's not just professional world, is it? I mean, so um, if, if you're a, if you're a student, I think, I guess, particularly when you get to university level, yeah. one of the things um, you'll, you'll really be rewarded for, and you know, really kind of unlock those top grades, is yes. being able to be a bit a bit critical about, Absolutely. Um, you know, whatever your given subject is, whether it's an art subject or a, or a science subject. Yes, yes, absolutely. So um, whenever I used to teach undergraduates at Cambridge, you know, about how to get the top marks, it was all about critical thinking and creativity. Um, you can't just regurgitate papers. It's all about, okay, so what do you think about this theory? Um, well, how, you know, what, where do you think the future of this research, you know, where do you think, where do you think it's going? It's about also putting your own spin on things and putting your own thoughts and ideas into it. And only then will you get the top marks. And that's the kind of stuff I want to help students cultivate because they may not necessarily be taught that in school. I love it. I think it's great. Um, so what what are your kind of top tips for, for getting better at critical thinking? <laughs> Well, I think it just starts off with, you know, don't just take everything at face value. Next time you read a news story, think, where are the, are these people getting their information sources from? Is this really true? Or the next time you think something is interesting, Googling a bit more about it and finding out a bit more about it. If you read a book, um, find another book that takes a completely different opinion and compare the two and think, which one do I agree with more or less? It's those little things that start you on this journey of critical thinking. Um, and it's not a thing that you develop overnight. It's definitely a muscle you need to, you know, continuously do and continuously develop. So just taking those baby steps every single day will help you on your critical thinking journey. And obviously, if you can then start incorporating that in your essays, um, that's even better. And you can work with your teachers. Um, if you talk to them saying, I'd like to develop these critical thinking skills, I'm sure they'll be happy to help. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. 
you you were talking about how to read uh you know for example the news yes. with a slightly critical eye yes um and you, you know if you found a book that has one particular opinion maybe find a book that has an alternative opinion yes. and, and get that get that balance um and one of the things i remember from from my days as a as a psychology student was the um the subject of you know, cognitive biases yeah. and the, you know the various ways in which our brain <laughs> sort of tricks us into yeah. um, into making what on the face of it might look like bad judgments yeah. or kind of bad um, decisions that that's that's quite relevant to to what you're saying yeah absolutely i mean you know if we're going into the realm of psychology you know confirmation bias is a big thing um you know when you if you have an idea already about something you you search for information that confirms that um if i believe chocolate is the best thing in the world i will only find information that confirms this that's confirmation bias so one thing i do in my everyday life actually is that if i feel like i have a very strong opinion on something i purposely go onto google or youtube and try to listen to people who have the complete opposite opinion to me especially in this sort of political climate it's i think it's really important to you know hear out what other people have to say um just so we can come to a shared understanding and even if you don't agree with them you can at least try and understand where they're coming from yeah yeah for sure um and that's almost the you know that's almost the process of science in mm. some ways it's um it's it's not about trying to prove you're right you know i've heard scientists describe a lot of their focus is trying to prove that they were wrong and they spend 10 years rigorously trying to prove themselves wrong and they just can't do it yeah um, and that suggests that well maybe i was right after all yeah um is there anything else we should be sort of thinking about as students when it comes to critical thinking maybe in terms of how we um should apply it to our to our essays or mm. Well, I think um when it comes to critical thinking skills and essays, it's about, you know, including in, injecting your thoughts into this, you know, not just saying this is what papers say. What do you think about it? Are you, once you've say put the information under your critical thinking lens so to speak and thought, you know, which theory is better than the other, why um Put that in your essays. Don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid to suggest where the future of this field should go to. Um, you can start doing that now in your essays, and I, I highly recommend students to do so. Awesome, I love it. Um, well, th thank and thank you for that. Mm -hmm. I think that's um, that's that's some, some really interesting takeaways. Um, I also wanted to ask you a bit about creativity. Mm. I mean, that's that's your job now, right? Sort yes. of helping, uh, as you were saying, <laughs> helping these big companies um, be more creative, be yes. more innovative. Um, creativity is quite a big deal for mm. us as students as well. And yeah. Coming up with good ideas or linking together different ideas um, when we're when we're working on you know our essays, for example. Um, how how do you see creativity as being um, kind of relevant to 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 what work to the work that students are doing? Oh, I think it's incredibly relevant. In fact, I feel like at least in a university context, the students that tend to get the high first, not just you know a good first, the high first are the creative ones. So, what makes them different? Well, I think they're not afraid to play. Basically, um, they're not afraid to play with their ideas, and they're not afraid to play with their writing. Um, instead of just, you know, I think you can write about information, but one of the best students I ever had, she wasn't afraid to put in quotes from literature within her psychology essays. Right. Another, another student, one of the students that I had, um, both of them got top of their class. Um, 
they were in separate years. <laughs> um, he would write things um, almost like a science magazine. Um, so, so they were very playful with their writing. So one thing I suggest to students is, you know, you may um, be set on one way of writing things. Try something completely different. Think if I were, say, writing for psychology today, how would I write this? Or if I were writing this as if it was a novel, how would I write this? And, you know, it may seem like a completely ludicrous idea, but who knows? There might be something in there that might draw out um, a different way of writing and a different way of thinking. Because once you get to university, there's a bit of credit for style yes, and how you absolutely. communicate your, your ideas. Yes, because I think, um, you know, in the sixth room, when, you, when um, you're doing your A-levels, it's more it's more about just putting down the right things. Yeah. University, it's, you have to take it to another level. Their stylistic elements start to come in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and another thing is being playful with your ideas. So one thing, I actually learned this after quitting my job um, in academia and moving on to sort of the innovation field, was that in academia, it was all about... Why not? Why won't this work? So if someone was presenting their um, study or research, it'll be like, mm, why won't this work? Or where have they gone wrong? Or, <laughs> But once I moved to my new job, it was about why not? And no matter how ludicrous the, ludicrous the idea was, it's about it was about embracing that. Because yeah. from there, you may actually get to the best idea. So it was about unconstrained thinking rather than constrained thinking. So if we were like, okay, let's brainstorm around this. It was getting a bunch of post-it notes and writing everywhere and, you know, not putting the brakes on your thinking. Mm. I think that really helps with creativity. But another thing to remember about creativity is that it takes time often. Um, because um, one definition of creativity, actually, I read was that it's about joining two seemingly unrelated ideas. And I think that actually comes from, in psychology, we call it incubation. Okay. So you What's might incubation? say incubation is, um, it's a period of time in which the brain sort of, a, a very easy way of putting this is when the brain needs, when the brain sorts out things. So sometimes you need to sleep through things for the brain to sort things out. And then when you wake up the next day, you can find that sometimes suddenly the idea comes to you. So it's not, you know... I think when I was in high school, I used to think that more was more, that, you know, if you just studied more, then that would lead to greater effects. But actually, things like rest, sleep, your brain is doing something. And that's when it's incubating. It's sort of, if we think about a plant, it's when sort of the roots are starting to grow and it's just about to blossom. So that's incubation. And incubation is, is key for creativity. Um, if you find yourself having a mental block, sleep on it. And you may be surprised. You might find suddenly the, the idea or a very creative thing will come to you the next day. So don't be afraid to take your time with things is another thing. So that kind of come, you know, leads on to perhaps what we'll talk about later in terms of good study skills, which is, you know, if you do plan out things, plan out that time for to incubate your ideas because you may need it. <laughs> I mean, I, a lot of people I, I talk to, you know, say their best ideas will come to them in the shower yeah. or when they're for a walk or on a job oh absolutely um i completely agree with that and my best ideas have come to me as you said either in the shower or when i was in a walk or um right before i go to bed um there's there's definitely something there <laughs> keep keep a notepad by the bed or yeah keep by definitely the shower by the shower if, uh, yeah. <laughs> waterproof notepad exactly. or something yeah no well seriously <laughs> yeah um the uh you, you mentioned brainstorming. Yes. It's something that from time to time, you know, we have to do as students. I mean, I was a, I was a business student as well as a psychology student and certainly uh, had to come up with the odd sort of business idea yeah. or, or two. Um, 
What's your advice for kind of how to approach uh, a, a group brainstorm in terms of, you know, the, the kind of um, perhaps almost the rules you set yourself as a group to, to um, make sure the best ideas flow? Mm, I guess it depends on the kind of problem you're trying to solve. But if I use an example from my own field in which we solve a lot of science and technical, uh, sort of technology related problems, unconstrained creativity can sometimes be a dangerous thing. So I've, I've thrown a bit of jargon there. But if you just sit down and go, okay, let's let's just write anything, you can come up with incredibly creative ideas, but they may not necessarily be ideas that work. So, you know, often the suggestion is actually you do create, you know, a small framework of, you know, maybe this is what we're kind of looking for and let's ideate or let's brainstorm around that. Um, so if, especially if you're working in a group, you may, you may, you know, come up with a bunch of, okay, this is where we're, we're go, this is where we're headed. Let's try and brainstorm around that instead of saying, let's just throw ideas everywhere and everyone shouts out things. One mistake, I wouldn't call it a mistake, but I took my, whilst I was in high school, um, whilst I was at university, I took my degree very, very seriously. And ironically, seriousness can hinder creativity. And you use the word playfulness quite a few times. Yes, you? yeah. Um, if you think, oh my God, I need to create, you know, I need to come up with the best idea that's going to get me um, an A star or that's going to get me a first. I mean, obviously you want to try and, get, you know, aim for the highest mark, but at the same time, that that can that can actually hinder you. And I've seen that in my own students. The overly serious students tended to not be very creative. Mm. And... Um, I think if you do find yourself in that block thinking, oh my God, oh my God, I need to do, I need to, you know, I need, I need to do the best and I need to, uh, just think, okay, if, if, if you weren't going to, if you weren't going to be marked uh, on this essay and, um, just going to, you're just going to have a laugh. Um, see what happens. See it as an experiment. We don't experiment enough in school, I think, because, um, you know, every single thing you do gets assessed. So there's no room for experimenting. And that's where actually I think Oxford and Cambridge have quite a nice system because you ha we have the tutorial or supervision system. So for students who don't know what this is, um, basically at Oxford and Cambridge, we have a system where um, uh, you get pretty much sort of one-on-one, one-on-two on one, one on lessons with either a lecturer or a PhD student. And this happens on a weekly basis. And you're actually not marked on these things. And um, students can use the opportunity to basically play around, experiment, do something completely radical. Um, and so if you're, if you don't have this opportunity, let's say you are assessed with everything, try something, maybe, um, take an essay, write one as if you always would, as if, you know, submit that, but try another thing and do something crazy with that. And then maybe you also ask your teacher saying, what about this? I, I was a bit playful with this only if you have the time, of course, but see what happens. Um, you might surprise yourself. Yeah, I like that. I really like that. Um, it, it sort of feeds into something I was reading um, a couple of weeks back where um, students sometimes approach, I guess, non-graded work yeah. um, with the mentality that, well, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll take it easy and yeah. then I'll, I'll, I'll really go for it when it matters. And the trouble with doing that is if you, if you try and, if you just try and get away with the bare minimum on the ungraded work, it doesn't give you that time to, as you were saying, to be playful and yeah. to really take those risks and to, to try out something new. Um, and, and so it doesn't give you that time to refine and explore your approach and kind of figure out what works best. Yeah. Um, and it means that you end up playing it perhaps fairly safe when the, yeah. uh, the kind of graded assignment comes along. 
Yeah, and one thing, if if you know any of the listeners are thinking, oh gosh, that that's scary. Um, absolutely, it will be scary because it's it's uncharted, unfamiliar territory. And what part of life is actually getting used to that? feeling of fear when you do something new. Um, when I started um, writing my blog, that was scary. Um, but it also means you're actually going into new, exciting territory. So embrace that fear is what I would um, advise students. It's a great life skill there, <laughs> getting, getting, getting comfortable being outside of your comfort zone. Absolutely. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to ask a little bit about good study habits, because mm. I know this is something you, you kind of talk about with your, your sort of psychology hat on as well. Yeah. Um, and it's something that that you know we as students often often struggle with. Um, so, what would your you know what would your your advice to to students be on on that? Mm, I think aside from the basics, you know, if you know if you get organized, <laughs> um, that kind of stuff, I would say know yourself really well. You can read a lot of books out there um, that say this is the best way to study. But ultimately, everyone is different and everyone has their own way of going about things. Some people like planning things meticulously. Other people like leaving things more out in the open. Um, and there is not, you know, there isn't necessarily a right or wrong there. It's about knowing how you work and being confident with that. Some people may actually think, I actually do my best work if I leave it to the last minute. Now, I don't advise leaving things to the last minute, but some, for some people, myself included, that's when the rush of energy tends to kick in. So, for example, that might include when you're planning, well, okay, if the deadline is here, I'm going to keep the last three days completely open because I need that time to study and I know that's when I'm going to really start studying well. Other people will be like, well, actually, I like studying quite early. And it's just about really knowing yourself. But also, um, in terms of developing good study habits, um, one thing that I learned in general is, you know, keeping a log of everything, um, general admin stuff. I know it sounds really boring, but I think it's quite crucial. Um, that helped me during my high school years, university years, and PhD years. Um, keeping good notes, um, keeping a log of things, that can go quite a long way. <laughs> yeah. One thing I found was quite helpful is being able to, to take that that kind of life admin, you know, the, yeah. the shopping and catching up on emails and, um, <laughs> you know, filling out this, that, the other form, whatever, um, being able to batch process it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, um, you, you get, you get into the flow and disrupts your, disrupts your day a little bit less. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing, you know, I, I would advise students and this is linked with, you know, really get to know yourself theme is, you know, everyone learns differently. You know, I'm a, a tr I'm, I'm a hugely uh, visual um, person. Um, I have synesthesia, um, if you're interested in okay. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, what so, is synesthesia? synesthesia just aside. Um, it's when basically your senses get fused in your conscious experience. So um, when I see people, I see colors behind them. When I see words, I see colors as well. No when way. I hear music, I hear colors. What color is exam study expert? <laughs> well, it depends on whether or not it's that as a concept or that the, the words themselves. So for example, the, the, the letter E is a blue word. So because there's a lot of E's in there, it's kind of bluish. But exam study expert as a whole, I'm getting sort of yellow colors at the moment as, as a word. Um, so <laughs> I'll get my logo redesigned right away. 
Um, so that's what I have. So any listeners, if you're interested, just um, send me an email. Maybe I can <laughs> tell you what color your email is. Um, but uh, but I, that, that makes me a very visual person. So when I was studying um, in high school and in, at university, I would color code everything. So for example, proteins are red. Um, lipids to me is a very purple word. So I would then color everything accordingly. And that really helped me. But I knew people who were, you know, more auditory oriented and they would record themselves talking through the notes and would listen to that on the way to lectures, for example. And that seemed to help them. So it's again, knowing what works for you and being confident with that. I'd probably just add an aside. Um, I mean, one of one of the things I, I teach a lot is um, the, the kind of science of, of learning. Mm. And one of the things we've, we've found, um, particularly in the last sort of 10 years or so, is just um, a, a slight footnote to that idea of knowing exactly just kind of the complete freedom to find what works mm. for you. Because there's some cases where the feeling of what's working is maybe yeah. a little bit seductive. Mm. I think the classic example is um, rereading your notes mm. or doing something quite passive, like maybe underlining, highlighting. And that's quite a popular way mm. for students to, to study. Um, and, but, but when you, when you kind of run the research and run, run, um, you know, tests to see actually how effective that is mm. in getting, uh, information into to memory, um, it turns out that that feeling of, that kind of feeling of fluency you're getting when you're reading mm. stuff over and over again is, um, is a little bit, is a little bit misleading. Mm. It's the difference between familiarity with the mm. material, uh, and actually being able to reproduce it mm. cold from memory when it matters. Um, so the, the, the kind of advice from studies like these would be to just kind of be careful when you're using things that maybe feel good, um, but perhaps aren't producing the benefits mm. that you could get through, um, you know, the other techniques like retrieval practice, where you're actually practicing remembering something from memory, uh, you know, perhaps using flashcards or, um, you know, writing out a topic from writing out what you know about the topic from, from memory in a concept map or just scribbling it out in a blank sheet of paper. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think, you know, definitely back in the day when I was studying for exams, that what you mentioned, sort of the, the recollection thing was so important, making sure that you actually, you didn't just read things, you actually put your notes aside and actually wrote things down to see whether you actually knew it. That was mm. a very important part of the process. Yeah. And and what we what we kind of now know is it's not just the, it's not just, um, uh, it's not it's writing out what you know isn't just a check on mm. whether you know it or not. It actually is a really powerful mm. way to, to actually get stuff into mm. Into memory as well. Um, so, so psychologists, you know, de- decades ago used to talk about um, trying to remember something interrupts the act of forgetting it. Um, or as students, we want our forgetting to be as interrupted as possible at that time. So. Uh, it's so funny, isn't it? Like after um, you know, attending psychology lectures on. Um, how context affects memory retrieval and you know you, you that famous there's a famous uh, memory study where they had scuba divers uh, yeah. <laughs> recollect things either on land or on sea so they so they would um they had scuba divers either memorize things on land on the sea and recollect things in the land or the sea and they found that you know if you memorize something in the sea you should recollect in the sea or slightly better um i atten- i did i went to all my exams in my pajamas because that's how i revised i didn't know whether that that did anything that's hilarious for- <laughs> i took a slightly different approach <laughs> And I found an exam. I found a study room which yeah. was as close to an exam hall as possible. Oh, did you? Really quiet and intimidating, <laughs> and individual desks. Um, and so when I got to the exam hall, it was just like the room yeah. I'd been revising. <laughs> um, 
So it's probably not a bad place to start talking a little bit about um, what to uh, both what to sort of expect from yeah. a psychology course at university, or um, and and how we uh, you know could prepare ourselves for applications mm-hmm. if psychology is something we're thinking of studying at, at college or university. So I guess for students in sixth form or, or the latter years of, of high school. After having read hundreds of personal statements, there were definitely some patterns that emerged that were sort of no-no things that I wanted to tell students, you know, don't do this um, when you're applying. I think a lot of students, you know, obviously they really want to get in. So they end up, you know, reading books for the sake of putting it in the personal statement, or they will get jobs for the sake of putting it in the personal statement. And I don't really advise this because put yourself in the shoes of the admissions tutor. If you're just putting things for the sake of name dropping, it actually is quite obvious to the admissions tutor. I mean, you may not, you may think, oh, you know, they'll, they'll never find out. It actually is because your personal statement ends up being quite bland. Um, because you're reading books, because you feel like you have to, you haven't critically engaged with it. And that goes back to what we've been talking about earlier. Um, you know, if you're really interested in something, you start asking questions about it. You start reading more about it. But if you're just reading it because you feel like you have to, you get it done and over with and you put it in your personal statement and that's that. And that's why it's boring to read in the personal statement. So when a student is starting their admissions journey, um, I tell them, you know, really start reading and looking at things that genuinely interest you. Psychology is a huge field. It ranges from everything to from cognitive neuroscience, which is my field, to social psychology, um, to, you know, public health. That even sort of comes into the realm of psychology. Um, pick up something that you really enjoy and really dig into that. And then maybe you can try and find some work or volunteering experiences, you know, that, that links to that. And then if you enjoy it, that will come across in your personal statement. And that that is what puts you apart from other students. Um, especially with the Oxbridge personal statements, which tend to be a bit more academically oriented in the sense that instead of saying, you know, oh, I've I've um, done these extracurricular activities, um, they tend to be more, these are all the books I've read. Um those tend to go into the category of just listing books. And as an admissions tutor, they're boring to read. I'll be completely honest. Um, but the ones that made me go, ooh, this is interesting, are the ones where people had an interesting thought and they ran with it. I, wa- I, once, I read one personal statement that actually just talked about one topic the whole time, but it was well-written, it was well-thought-out, there was the critical thinking and the creativity, and that, to me, was a big tick. Another thing that I'll tell students, advise students, is... Um, really understand what a psychology degree entails. A lot of people are drawn to psychology because they're interested in learning more about themselves and others. But psychology is a science. And when I say science, I mean hypothesis testing. It's about, you know, coming up with an idea and testing it. Um, it's about doing statistics. Um, all of these, you'll be learning all of these as part of your psychology degree. So show, demonstrating an understanding of that in your personal statement and in your interviews will come across hugely positively. Would you ever encourage students to reach out to um, either current students or indeed, um, you know, teachers, professors at, at university, of course, yeah, they're, they're interested in? Absolutely. I mean, um, there are often the psychology societies of universities um, have outreach officers who are more than happy to help you with these things. Um, if you go on your um, if you go to the open days, ask questions about the degree and, and, you know, don't be afraid to really understand what your degree, what the degree entails. 
Another thing I'll advise、um, students hoping to study psychology is understand that actually the degrees are more. There's a there's a lot more variety in the degrees than you think. On one hand, there are similarities between the courses because in order to be、um, BP, what we call BPS accredited, so、um, this means that、um, a university is approved,、uh, a university's course is approved by the British Psychological Society. This is the BPS.、Um, they need to have a certain, they need to have certain courses within their degree. So this includes social psychology, developmental psychology,、um, biological psychology, and so on and so forth. But in the third year, there is there there is just you know the difference in the type of courses you could take is astounding. So I would actually be very mindful of this and、um, looking and really look through the degree and what what it what it、um, involves before making a choice. <laughs> that sounds good, and I think that's you know great advice. For、yeah. any subject, it's not just psychology.、Yeah. Um, you know, showing that, showing that depth of genuine interest, and not just kind of superficially naming a book or two or you know seven because you、yeah. thought it looked good,、um, and also really getting under the skin of what the degree is. You know, yeah. Even if you even even before you know contacting someone who's involved in that that university or that college, there's often a huge amount of information. On that degree and what it involves, just available online,、um, not just on the course website, but you can, you know, dig deeper, go and look at the research that the professors、yes. are doing, and you know, find out more about, you know, what that university or that college is is really interested in. So、yeah. you said yourself, you know, you were involved in,、um, uh, you know, reality monitoring, memory research、yes. at Cambridge. You know, that's that's one of a number of different streams of、um, quite a wide number of streams of research. That, yeah,、um, Cambridge psychology. Professors are pursuing. Yeah, I think one thing now. Now the psychology websites are so much better than when I was applying to university. But at the time, there was I couldn't find any information on what the what the courses entailed. And I actually, in order to find this out, I would look on. You know, when you go onto the website, it will say here for prospective students, here for current students. I clicked on the current students place just to find out what they were studying and what they were doing and what I would be exposed to、sure. if I were a student at this university to really understand things. Now、um, I'm going to admit to something, which is very embarrassing, but、um, to make sure that other students do not make the same mistake I did,、um, I was very naive and I relied on university rankings far more than I should have.、Um, so I chose to go to Nottingham、um, University, which was a great choice, great university, great course because it was number one in the rankings.、Um, don't do this. <laughs> not because not, you know I'm saying this because you know. I've done. I, I've looked at a lot of courses out there,、um, and the universities that are ranked between, say, one to ten, there isn't. There aren't that many differences between them. If I'm absolutely honest, go to the university that offers you the courses that you want to take. That is my advice. Don't choose one university because one is ranked third and the other is fourth. So you go for the one that's ranked third. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't make that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's great advice. And、um, I think you know maybe just one other tiny thing.、Uh, not just the course you want to study, but perhaps if you've got a particular passion for something extracurricular. Yes. And、um, you know, I, I, my brother, for example, is really passionate about music and、mm. wanted that to be an important part of his university life. So、yes. picking a university with a great.、Um, 
with a great music scene, um, yeah. as, as well as you know, obviously the courses, courses first and foremost for yeah for most people. And good luck. For yes, anyone good luck. <laughs> Any fans out there? Um, yes, <laughs> best of luck. Um, I just wanted to finish with one one final thought, if I if I could. So. Um, one of one of the things I think people often struggle with is the bridge between um, what studying is like at high school or school mm. um, and what it's like when they get to uh, you know their, their university or college. It's 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 very different because all of a sudden you far more than before have to control how you spend your your own time and you know you you become the pilot of your yeah. uh, your your kind of study week and, and how you <laughs> spend it. And um, any advice um, for for kind of bridging that gap and developing a good a good a good good routine? Mm, mm, that's such a good point. Uh, it was definitely a shock to the system for me when I went to university for exactly the reasons that you mentioned. Um, you go from you know almost. A lot of times the, the school provide you with that structure to you having to provide the structure to yourself. Um, I think it, again, comes down to organization. Um, you know, planning out your day, planning out how you're going to write the essay, you know, um, and being very proactive um, in finding the information. And if you're unsure of things, once you're at university, you know, there isn't someone there who's going to hold your hand. Um, you have to go out there and ask people like, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? Or um, I need to find this information. Where, where do I go? Mm. Um, I think learning those kind of skills even now um, are useful. Um, when you talked about the, the planning, how, how, if, you, if you're kind of new to, mm-hmm. to planning your life and planning your, your day and your week, any, any sort of practical tips for actually how to, how to do that? Mm-hmm. I think... Well, I think um, everyone's quite different. I think knowing whether you're a morning person or evening person actually quite helps uh, helps a bit. So if you know that you know you we work well in the mornings or work well in the evenings, plan your um, study time around that and stick with that. Um, make that a regular routine. I also think um, going out and choosing the same spot to study actually is, is not a bad idea. So. Um, for for me personally, for example, um, I try and work out of my room, like uh, you know, because otherwise, if I associate relaxation and study in the same place, I find that kind of interferes with my thinking, and you can descend into procrastination if you're not careful. So it works both ways, doesn't yeah. it? it? Helps you get a better night's sleep. Yes, if you absolutely. Been, been working in the, the same. Yeah. Room. So you know, maybe deciding okay between. You can even you know see it as a nine to five job. You know between this time and this time, I will go to the library and I will study and and stick with that as much as you can. Um, so then it becomes automatic. You don't need to wake up in the morning and go mm, should I should I know you know every single morning at nine o'clock I will be in the library. Then it becomes more automatic and you and you'll start to be you know and you'll feel better about yourself. Structure actually makes you happier <laughs> for sure, <laughs> <it or> not. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, and as you were saying yeah. once you get to that point where it's just a it's a habit it's a routine you stop having to get motivated and you know big boost of willpower every single morning to get yourself to to you know down to your library desk it's just it's what you do it's yeah how you spend your day absolutely <laughs> fantastic anything uh, anything final on um kind of university uh, study habits you know, a lot of the stuff I've talked about in this podcast are things I wish someone had taught me at university, actually, because very few people actually talk to you about critical thinking and creativity mm. and how, how they contribute to you getting a high mark. Um, so, again, you know, in terms of study habits, um, as well as, you know, putting in that structure, um, putting in the time to actually experiment with your degree and have fun with it. Um, I know I've been pedantic about this point, but please do try that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> the time to the time to do the basics, but also then the time to yes <laughs> to explore a little explore bit. A bit yeah. I love that. That's great. Um, well, look, thank you so much. It's been a fantastic conversation. I think there's, there's so much that yeah. you know. I wish I'd known um, when I was when I was starting out. Um, I guess on that on that note, I, I always wrap up by asking people <laughs> if you were able to you know, step into your time machine, go back to uh, 15, 16 year old Marie in the you know playground in Japan. Um, <laughs> You know, what What would you say to her? Um, what advice would you give to her? Yeah, that, that is such an interesting question. Um, because I was thinking, you know, when I was scribbling down things, I was like, well, there are, you know, various pieces of advice I could give to 16-year-old Marie. Like, you know, don't take life too seriously or life isn't all about academics or uh, <laughs> and um, so on and so forth. But would 16-year-old Marie have listened? Probably not. Um, 16-year-old Marie was a perfectionist, very driven, thinking, you know, getting into university was everything. So if that's the sort of mindset I had, what kind of advice would I have listened to? Um, well, I think, first of all, um, the first thing I would say to 16-year-old Marie is more is not more. <laughs> Um, 16 year old Marie would sometimes stay up until the very early hours of the morning doing assignments because she thought more was more. It isn't. Life is not about studying more. It's about studying smart. It's about knowing the things that, you know, can, that, that, that are for your minimum effort leads to the maximum output. Because actually, if you, if you go with the more is more approach, you're just going to burn yourself out. Your writing actually is going to become more boring. Your idea is less creative. And that's not ideal. Um, get some sleep, relax, you know, have that or have that order, have that structure, have that consistency, but, um, work smart, not more. That'd be the first thing. <laughs> I love say. that. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's the whole philosophy of what we, what we try to do on exams today, expert. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's study as you, exactly as you said, yeah. studying smarter, not harder. Harder, harder. Yeah. Yeah. That's harder. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, the second one is, School is all about knowing, quote unquote, the right answers. So, you know, knowing exactly which answer to put on your exam. But life is all about knowing and being honest with what you don't know um, and working with others to fill the gaps. So I think this is a mindset I had to, you know, really rewire over the years. So with school, you work alone. It's quite solitary. Um, and it's all about, you know, always having, always having the right thing to say. Um, life is all about, you know, being really honest with what you don't know. And I, I know this may sound like strange advice, but let's say that you're going to go into an interview. Um, when I do interview training with students, it's so clear the students who are afraid to admit what they don't know in an, in an interview, um, and instead end up waffling and trying to say what the right things are. And it's really obvious to the interviewer. What actually comes across far more positively is a student going, you know what? I don't know the answer to that, but I can give it my best guess. And don't be afraid to say that in life. Or I'm prepared to engage with it and wrestle with it. A and bit. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm not afraid to wrestle with that idea. I don't know, but I'm not afraid to wrestle with it. And this is how I might do it. Um, so... Only in knowing what you don't know will you come across, will you actually start the journey towards the right answer. So, you know, just changing that mindset a bit from, you know, from the high school A-level, there is a right answer mindset to, well, let's see what I don't know and let's how I, let's see how I work through it. Um, that's the, you know, I'll tell my 16-year-old self to try and 
you know think differently about problems i would say yeah i love that i think that's i think that's fantastic yeah um Marie, look, thank you again so much. This has been an absolutely fantastic conversation. Um, <laughs> thank you for having me. I love being a, here. You've been a wonderful guest. Um, if I'm sure there'll be listeners out there that are curious to learn a little bit more about some of the things you've been mm-hmm. you've been talking about, what, yeah. what would be the best way to for people to find you? Sure. So I have two websites. Um, the first is my personal website. Um, you can find me on www mariebuddha.com um that's spelled www.mariebuddha.com so that's my personal website um there i write about um life <laughs> i blog about everything from synesthesia which i talked about earlier to mental health and i also have you can read about my research there and you can also see videos of me performing so actually will and i go back we used to sing yeah, together yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um so um you can see vi- videos of me singing there so that that's my if you want to you know that's my personal website um for students who are interested in applying um to study psychology in the uk i've created a website um for you um uh, it's called um psychologyadmissions.com and um there you'll find everything from what kind of books um you want to read um if you want to study for a psychology degree to tips on writing the personal statement to um actually it's a it's a central resource um that has information on all the different types of universities. So one thing that I noticed was that if you're going to study if you wanted to apply to study psychology, you had to click on different universities websites individually. So you'd go to St Andrews website, and then you go to Durham's website and you have to click 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 click. On this website, it's like a Wikipedia for um psychology admissions. So if you go onto that, then um all the information is there. Um I've actually picked out what I think is the most important things um to know about. So for example, what what the course structure is like um so that's all there and I've also written you know why it's important to look at these things. Um and of course if you have any que- any other questions um you can email me. Um my email addresses are on those websites that I mentioned and I love hearing from people. Um so do get in touch. Fantastic. And we'll put all the um we'll put all the links in the in the show notes for people so it's easy to find. Um I can't promise there'll be a, a video of us uh, a link to a video of us <laughs> singing. Singing. Um but maybe we'll see. Um awesome. Well Marie, look thanks once again. Um, Thank you. it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Will. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Links to all the resources that Marie was talking about will be in the show notes, so you can uh, look those up at your your leisure. Fantastic. Well, look, thanks again for joining us today, and I really hope to see you again next time. Until then, very best of luck with your studies. Thanks for listening to the Exam Study Expert Podcast. Remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review for our show in your podcast player.